Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time. This episode is recorded live on Facebook. In this week's episode of The Kindness Project, we talk about Wonka, fitness, and we have part three of our interview with Abby Barnby from Yorkshire Air Ambulance. Welcome one and all to the second day of our lives for the Kindness Project book promotion. Uh, if you wouldn't mind flashing the book, Dad. Am I flashing the book this early? Yep, Is that it. what I'm doing? There's the book. Uh, there's the book. Clearly, I didn't promote the book enough yesterday. I mean, you're probably bored of it by now, but there is the Kindness Project book. Nice, yeah. It's a nice, nice, isn't it? Nice, isn't it? <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't go as. Uh, I don't think it's as funny when we do it now as when it in the original video. Well, yeah, um, because you were like you were six in the original video. I was seven, was wasn't you? Nice, isn't it? Um, have a nice time. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, when you when you do it at eighteen, I'm not convinced it's as cute. As, I mean, you are still clearly cute, but I don't know if it's uh, as cute at 18 as it is at seven. <laughs> oh, well. Um, what are we talking about today? We're talking about the book. How do we? How do people get the book? Is, was that a question for me? Or are you gonna... yeah, yeah, you know all the details. Oh, right, okay, fair enough. I said to you at the start of the podcast, you are leading the way, Charlotte, didn't I? Yep, uh, and you often lead the way through delegation, and I'm taking after you. So... <laughs> You're delegating to me? Okay, fair <laughs> enough. So you can get hold of the book. Um, it depends on how you want to read it. So if you want to read it via Kindle, um, it's available on Amazon. Um, uh, and the, the as far as I'm aware, there's some QR codes at the bottom of this page. I think on the right-hand side, one of them takes you to the publisher's website where you can pre-order a paper version of the book. So that's one way. The other way uh, is via uh, Kindle, uh, and you can pre-order a copy of the book today uh, for the release date, which is, as far as I remember, Ras. 18th of November, if I've got that wrong, I'm sure we'll send me a, a WhatsApp. Little ping. Uh, huh? You'll get a little ping. I'll, I'll get a little yeah. ping. A WhatsApp. I'll get a little <laughs> ping to tell me that that's either right or wrong. Um, 17th, apparently, so that's wrong, clearly. <laughs> um, so it's the 17th of November is the release day, um, uh, and you, can, you will get both the paper version and the um, or and or the Kindle version, depending on what you prefer, uh, into your um, inbox um, as soon as soon as it's ready. If you buy it on the uh, on the uh, publisher's website, which is the end, end, endless bookcase, um, they will um, chuck in delivery for free. So you'll get it delivered. There's no cost for delivery. And it will turn up at your house on delivery day, on on um, on the date of publishing, and that is all good, Charlotte. So that is happening. Nice, nice. Are you excited to have the book? Well, you've already got a copy, haven't you? I've, I mean, clearly, I've got the only copy at the minute that exists in the world, which feels <laughs> a bit weird to say. Um, uh, but yeah, so when it when it comes out i will be i will be very excited but i've got a really busy week coming up as well because i've got my um i've got the child graduation as uh on friday so um, i expect all the pictures you will get all of the pictures <laughs> you will get all of the pictures so um so that's going on um so there's a lot um of positive stuff going on in my world at the minute, as there normally is um i think but, you guys um, have got okay. rain at the moment as well like I've got sunshine and glory. Um, so Glasgow at the minute is sunshine and glory, is it? At, at this specific moment, yeah. It, there was I, a little bit of rain last night, but not a lot. Glorious Glasgow. They should take that as a um, as a moniker for the <laughs> uh, for the um, for the city, shouldn't they? Glorious Glasgow. What other? Ways would you describe Glasgow? Uh, very big. 
Big Glasgow. Big Glasgow. I can't see the Glaswegian tourist board uh, going Glasgow is big. There's a lot of places. Is there? It's not as big as London, though, is it? Every no. With Glasgow. But to be fair, I'm used to travelling London on like the tubes, and then there's me, and I just I don't take any public transport at all. I just walk everywhere. And that's not... not a bad habit to get into, though, right? Yeah, I haven't I haven't been on a single piece of public transport since I got here. <laughs> Have you not? Have no. you got a metro in Glasgow or not? Um, they've got buses. Um, I just don't use them. It's just easier to walk. It's just easier to walk around. So, a few things, and again, um, these lives are designed for uh, you to get involved if you're watching this. We would love for you to um, to get involved, to comment, uh, to t- talk to us, to share your um, ideas and experience, um, and to answer the most amazing questions we've had on the podcast for a long time that I delegate to Charlotte to write, and these are those questions. I, I, did, I hope I did not disappoint with these questions. <laughs> they, they, they are um, fantastically weird. Well, that's what you asked for, because we've had a lot of stuff before. Um, and, like, you know, so question one. What would be the most surprising first words for a baby? Are we allowed to swear? (laughs) (laughs) I'm waiting for I'm waiting for producer Russ to chime in on whether or not we're allowed to swear. Have we got a play button on the podcast, Charlotte? I don't I don't know if we do. No, no. So I mean a swear word would be a rather surprising word for a baby to say as their first word, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Or the word on a man to Peter. Is that a ping from producer Russ or whether or not we can? Um, uh, uh, apparently, we've, I've got a ping. I've been pinged. Ping would be quite an unusual word. No swearing. We're not allowed to swear <laughs> on the on the kindness project, clearly, because it's a it's a project about kindness. And we don't swear on the kindness project, but it would still be quite surprising for a child as their for a baby as their first word to admit a swear, wouldn't it? Very funny, very funny indeed. <laughs> what swear word, Charlotte, would they admit? Um, any of them would be funny. Not allowed to say. <laughs> I'm not allowed to say them. Um, so, so an unusual first word for me that a baby would say would likely be a swear word, or the word onomatopoeia, or that Welsh town that I can never pronounce. No, I can't, do it, I can't do it either. I can't do it either. What's your next question? Uh, my next question, if you could have uh, an animal companion to be with you for the rest of your life, what would it be and why? So what is this animal companion doing for you? Just chilling. Just being chilling. with you forever. Have I got to feed it? <laughs> I mean, you cannot feed it, I guess. It lives as long as you do. Let's imagine that. So if I don't feed it, it will still live as long as I do? Yes. Is it, it, an, imag- is it yeah. an imaginary animal companion? Well, no, it, like, you'd be able to like physically like pet and stuff. Right, so th- it lives for as long as I do. Yeah. I haven't got to feed it. No. But it's not imaginary, it's real. Yeah. Can other people see it? Yeah. Okay. Has it got to live in my house? Yes. Okay, what would you go for? I don't know, I'm asking you. <laughs> it's a good one. It's a good one. <laughs> uh, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll have to give that some thought. What's your next question? Most appropriate name for a chicken? Alan. <laughs> Alan? Alan? Alan is an underrated and underused name. In my opinion, what would you go for? I don't know. Okay, next question. You just name it chicken. Yeah, but that's like calling like a baby baby or calling a boy boy, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, chicken. Chicken. She's sticking with it. She's not changing her mind on that. Ridiculous could, chicken could, idea. You could call it a, the Why name don't of a different called... animal. You could call it elephant, pig, 
Now, lion, lion, got, the chicken. I've got a feeling that would severely confuse that chicken. Lion, the chicken. L- lion, the chicken. <laughs> lion, the chicken. Chicken, you lion. Um, what's your what's your next question? Um, I have it in. So why am I trying to remember it off the top of my head? What is the best sound to help you sleep? Um, oh, you know what? I. I've been I've been trying different stuff with this. Okay, so I tried like rainforest sounds. I tried rain. I tried um, like soft, low key music with a rain background. Um, I've tried everything, and you know what? For me, is the easiest way to um, fall asleep. Podcast or talk radio and i don't know why i don't know why um it's such a amazing way to just just fall asleep what is it for you um there's a fountain outside my window currently that's quite soothing how is it i'd say you don't have any music on or anything like that just the sound of the fountain i'd say a podcast but i used to listen to podcasts and then wake in the middle of the night in the middle of the story and be really confused yeah yeah i know i'll get you or like in the middle of a conversation and be like what is going on i put a podcast on once um and it was a fiction podcast and i woke in the middle of the night because of the podcast was making the sound of gunshot oh no yeah so so (laughs) it was like I suppose if it's like conversational podcast, you're never going to get that. Oh yeah, but if you're listening to a drama on a podcast, you might yeah. get a uh, you might get a different thing. Okay, so just so um, uh, and Ras will give us an update in terms of who's watching. If you are, hello, make sure you leave us a comment and you let us know you're definitely watching, and you need to answer the questions of the podcast, which are: What is the f- most surprising first words for a baby if you could pick an animal companion to be with you for life it lives for as long as you do and you haven't got to feed it but it is real and it does live in your house i don't know who's came up with those rules but um that's the rule what what animal would you pick and why and what would you call it as well and if it was a chicken what would be an appropriate name we need to be aware of that. And then what is the best sound to get to sleep? How about silence? Have you ever tried to go to sleep in silence? Because I really struggle with that. Yeah, I do as well. But I've tried it and I've managed it, but it's just difficult. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going to so, post these questions in the uh, thing for the live. Um, just yeah. yeah, so so make sure that if you are... If you are um, watching and Russ will give us like, in terms of how many uh, you're watching and who I'm assuming on WhatsApp. Uh, please get involved. Please let us know in terms of uh, in terms of who's watching and uh, your answers to the questions, um, and then we can go from there. And if you are tuning in and you're interested in the book, uh, get your phone out, take a photo of one of the QR codes, click the link, and it take you into either ordering the paper version on our publisher's website or um or taking you to amazon where you can order the uh the kindle version now one thing um and, and it's weird because i never ever ever charlotte yeah um thought i'd get into kindle reading ever yeah wow it does have a place doesn't it when we went travelling early earlier in the year, taking enough books for twenty three days when we were sort of jaunting around Europe um, was just too much. You know, like you've got to take. I mean, I probably probably I did ten books and dragging ten paper versions of the book around Europe. It, it, I definitely don't want to do that. So Kindles have their plates, but what do you prefer? An e-book or a paper book? And where do they fit? See, I like paper books. I would prefer to have a paper book. But I do a lot of reading online of stuff. Um, like, I'm a lot on a lot of the, like, fan fiction sites as well. A lot of them are online. Um, oh, that, was that a ping for me or you? 
And don't worry about the things. You just carry on talking. Yeah. Um, and, like, that's a lot easier because with the paper books, you've got to take them out when you get on the public transport, which is where I do most of my reading. Put them away when you... So it's like... But you just said... You said earlier you don't do yeah, any public I transport. Haven't, I haven't sat down and read a book for fun in a while. Um, I've been doing a lot of, You're like... joking. Well, see, I've got to read a lot for my classes anyway, so a lot of it is reading for... So you're doing a lot of work stuff, yeah? I'm reading for work rather than reading gotcha. for pleasure. Like, I've been trying to get through... Um, I've, I read the books for my lectures, but my I've been trying to get through the Iliad, and it's just like... Yeah, I'm, I'm not being funny. I'm really that... enjoying it, but it's just like, I don't oh, have the... It is, the I have found the Iliad really hard going. I found Elia really hard going, but there was a. It's um, not that difficult. It's just finding the time for it. Yeah, I there's a really good podcast on BBC Sounds, uh, which are comedy versions of the classics that that are worth giving a listen to. So, the woman who um, the woman who hosts them is a classics expert, Charlotte, but also stand-up. So she does, like, stand-up versions of all of the classics. I will email you a copy um, because they are absolutely well, brilliant. I'm we'll really put in the show notes reading. as well. Oh, I'm really enjoying reading it, but it's just, like, finding the time to sit down and read them outside of this reading I've got to do for everything else when I'm not can I, um, can I, tired. Can I quickly show you something as well that might be of interest? So I am lucky enough, um, as you know, to get sent quite a lot of um, stuff. People send me stuff through the post, which is always very nice. And um, the other day, I got sent this lovely um, black box, okay, which contains a bunch of books... I'm just going through it now. But look what came in it. Lint chocolate, Charlotte. Lint chocolate. And uh, I've got Lint. I'm just, I'm just um, remembering our hands full of chocolate. I know, I know. This is what I want to talk about, right? So in this <laughs> box, I've got chilli chocolate, lit chilli chocolate, and Lint salted caramel flavour. Is there any other flavours in there? No. Okay. Now, <laughs> now, when the box arrived, clearly there's some other stuff, there's some books and some notepads, and it, it very kindly sent to me, which happens a bit. Um, uh, one of the things that I thought when I opened it, because um, just... Just so you know, not only were the two lint chocolate bars in there, there was a bag of lint um, balls. You know, those amazing balls. I opened it and thought, um, I'm never gonna I'm never gonna eat that because I've literally had a lifetime supply of lint chocolate. Um, and I'm never gonna eat lint again. Straight from the tap. Straight. <laughs> straight <laughs> um, right. Now the reason being, listeners, because oh clearly we want to explain what's going on here, is um Charlotte and I were in Zurich earlier in the year, um, on our little trip around Europe. And uh one of the things that we decided to go uh do while we were in Zurich is go to the Lint Chocolate Factory slash museum, right? And the way I've been describing it to people is the closest thing to Willy Wonka's <laughs> chocolate factory as you're gonna get in the real world. Yep. Do you wanna do you wanna talk through your experience of the Lint Chocolate Factory slash museum? Okay, so you go in, you got a ticket, um, they give you a ticket, they tell you keep hold of the ticket. Is it a golden ticket? It might as well I think be. it is. Um, and you go in and you go up these stairs and they give you this like thing, you put your put it near your ear and it will explain all the stuff you put it near. Um, it's so weird having a visual medium and people actually be able to see the way my hand gestures are going. Um, but then you go through all this stuff and it's like, here's how the chocolate was transported from here. To here. Get to the good bit. But get to the, the good, good bit, bit where you get to... I've got to... The history wasn't a good bit for you? Damn, okay. Understand. <laughs> um, and it's talking about all like how it originally like stuff like chocolate and hot chocolate were sort of made. Um, and you sort of bought through this whole thing and it's got like 
it's projected onto walls and there's little 3D models and little interactive bits and it explains the history of chocolate and how it came to be popular in like the UK and London and stuff like that, even though we were in um, Zurich. But anyway, and then you wander through past all the history stuff into this giant silver room. Here we go. Here we go. Here's the good bit. With little white plastic spoons as you enter and taps that you stick the spoon under and when it comes out it's got chocolate on it and you just <laughs> you do you do what you do this you do the chocolate spoon hokey cokey in out in out in put out, it in your in mouth out, put it in your mouth <laughs> do the hokey cokey and you turn around i mean literally it was hot melted chocolate uh, in an unlimited way, wasn't it? And then there was a bit where you stuck your hand under it and it just dropped a piece of chocolate in your hand. Well, that was room two, wasn't it? That was, and then you move on past that. Uh, you get rid of your spoon and you go into room two and you put your hand under these machines and it, they had like little descriptions and stuff um, and you put your hand under it just, and then it gives you a piece of chocolate and you eat it and it's like... Um, and yep. then you move into room... Three. No, hold on, hold on. Can I just clarify one thing? The noise you made to eat the liquid chocolate <laughs> was the same as the noise you made. Right. Let me let the... me let me addend uh, addend uh, yeah my liquid chocolate. Oh, well, we're going for a slurp now, are we? For that one. We're going, and then, we're going uh, for a slurp. For the second one. Sorry, do do the first one again. Right, second one. I didn't even hear that. That was that was silent chocolate eating. <laughs> <laughs> so so we've got and then and then you move into the third room. Um yeah, the third room. It's basically this one guy, and he's got rows and rows and rows of Lynn chocolate. Uh, and there's this little ball you can go and sit inside with a green screen. Uh, I've still got that picture somewhere. I'll find it. Um, uh, and when you take get your picture taken, you can just like take a handful. It says take one or two, but there was like well, well, I mean, I mean, there is a decency threshold, isn't there? Yeah. So, so we'd already been in two rooms where you could eat fruit chocolate the liquid version and it's unlimited nobody's like sort of telling you how much or or how little uh, you can eat um uh then there's the next room where you're just using the machines and the little sort of uh, cubes of chocolate come out and then there's the third room which is effectively filled with different flavors of the lint chocolate are they called chocolate balls they're not are they what are they called I don't know. I, I don't know, but you know what I mean. It's the lint. Yeah. It's the lint chocolate balls. I mean, you know what I mean, but I'm just hoping our listeners know what I mean. So, so those lint chocolate balls, right? Now, they've got a lint chocolate here with his white sort of outfit and his big white hat. Um, who isn't really a chocolatier. He's there to make sure you don't take the mick with the balls. I think, personally, what do you reckon? Yeah, no, but, like, there was a lot of people just, like, taking handfuls and then well, moving on. I mean, the worst thing is that when the uh, lint chocolatier who was basically the security guard, guard protecting people taking the mick with the balls went on a break and a woman... <laughs> Could have been a man, but it was in this occasion it was a woman. Uh with a dress with, with pockets. two massive pockets was shoveling little chocolate balls into I, her pockets. I imagine that she was very disappointed later that day because I put one in my they pocket. Milk, don't they? They milk really quickly. It was such a hot day. I put one in my pocket because I knew we were gonna get on a train and I was like, I'll have this for later. And I pulled it out and it was just a puddle in Whoosh. a wrapper. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've got this image of, like, all of those balls. Um, uh, I'm saying balls way too much. <laughs> that would be a weird thing for a baby to say, wouldn't it? Balls. Um, balls, <laughs> balls is their first word. Um, all, all those chocolate balls just melting in somebody's pocket. That would yeah. be that would be an unusual thing to happen. Anyway, but yeah. haven't even got to the best bit. 
you move on past this room and it sort of takes you to like a production line looking thing not the important aspect but was very cool uh, and then you get into uh, a line um and you get to the front of the line you scan your qr codes from your ticket remember the ticket i mentioned it first thing i mentioned that tells you to keep the ticket you scan your qr code for your ticket um and this little thing starts with this little like mechanism and the ball rolling and it is it is a proper willy wonka style thing yeah and then there's a little person pretending to grab the ball open the ball and then drop a chocolate we are saying the... balls way too much in this podcast. There's a lot of balls in this factory. <laughs> <laughs> they are chocolate balls, by the way, ladies and gents. No, no, the, the one I was talking about was a big gold ball. Um... <laughs> Just one gold ball, yeah? Well, there was one on the other side as well. So we appear. A pair of wobbly bulbs. <laughs> what? Right, what? What are you doing? What are you doing to me? We are no, going to no, get banned no, from no, Facebook. No. I'm already banned from Facebook, clearly, but I don't want to get banned again. There was two separate mechanisms and two separate people who grabbed the balls and opened them. <laughs> there was a man in control of both of the balls. It was no, there was one man, man and one woman. Right. Who were keeping an eye on the mechanisms? They weren't real though. They were digital recordings that just were on loop. No, um, no judgment. No judgment. Um, <laughs> and then it dropped a piece of chocolate out from the metal wall, because um, that's what's in metal walls apparently. Uh, <laughs> well, it is when you go to the lint chocolate factory, isn't and it? And then, <laughs> like, you take the chocolate and you waddle on back downstairs. <laughs> waddle? Why are you waddling? Why are you waddling? <laughs> I mean, to be to be fair, I was waddling because by the time I'd eaten my uh, my body weight in lint chocolate. This week we have part three of our interview with Abby Barnby from Yorkshire Air Ambulance. But also, I think sometimes the stories help, don't they? Yeah, you know, like when, yeah. when, when, when I think about the charities that mean a lot to me, I always think about the stories of impact. So, what's the standout story for you that, like, sort of really explains the positive impact the Yorkshire Ambulance has? Oh goodness, there's been loads over the years. I think one that I was personally involved with. Um, Gosh, he was only a young a young child at the time, and I think he's in his twenties now. So his accident will have been over ten years, you know, maybe about ten years ago. And it was a young, really young, sporty lad. He was in Huddersfield, and he'd just been dropped off from his rugby training, and his the end of his road was on a bend, and he'd gone across the road to get home, and a car had come flying around the bend mm, and perfect. completely took him out, and um. We we went and um well ironically this honestly there was somebody looking down on this lad this day Callum he was called um he was it has really serious head injury really really serious um but one of our consultant doctors lived in the next village and and had seen so he buzzed down in his car before the helicopter had got there and started treating him and he was flown up to Leeds General Infirmary and there's a big helipad on the on the roof up there. So how did the doctor know about the incident? Um, because he was on call. So I'm not sure the technicalities, but he was alerted to it. He was on call that night, so he was able to to, to go around in the car and then he ended up flying up to Leeds with him. Um, it was touch and go. They didn't think Callum was going to pull through. Um, I remember he was on Helicopter Heroes, it was at the time, our programme, and they'd had to remove a big section of his skull because his brain swole up that much. Yeah, and yeah. um memory's mum Christine saying basically they'd said that if he did survive he was going to be in pretty much a vegetative state for the rest of his life and his outlook wasn't good and there was many a times I think they expected him to pass away and he didn't he pulled through um and um he learned to walk he learned to talk he had to learn to do everything again and 
Christine's mum and his dad Andrew and the family were unbelievable and they came to our old base at Leeds Bradford Airport to meet the crew and meet Jez again the doctor and from then on they just started fundraising and we supported them with quite a lot of events Christine did all sorts of yeah. her drive was unbelievable and Callum just continued to get improve and get better and get better and and, and seeing seeing your mum do yeah. that as well and and, and you know I, we, I i think the natural thing when you're a parent is to look at it from the perspective of you know being grateful that yeah. something like that yeah hasn't happened yeah. to your kids but yeah. also what would you what would you do and hopefully yeah. you'd want to give back a bit right mm. and it sounds like she's mm. done that it was unbelievable and I think I saw I bumped into her a few weeks ago we were out for a meal and she said I know you from somewhere and I said oh my god Christine and um, I think he couldn't play rugby again he wasn't allowed to play any contact sports but I think he I'm pretty sure he took he trained to be a referee um, instead and then um, when I spoke to her last he he was working he'd got a job he was working uh -huh. as a, um, like a business apprentice somewhere or, but he was doing really well for himself and that could have been a completely alive lost couldn't it yeah, yeah, yeah a completely yeah, yeah. different outcome it's hard to it's hard to distinguish because all everybody that we go to you know it is everybody's lives at the end of the day and uh, you know you just have to watch helicopter ER to see firsthand the work that our people is unbelievable and yeah it, it, there's loads of stories it sure makes it, it, i find it funny sometimes that you i sat watching the program and, and you've got people from all across the world and i'm watching people that i sit and have a brew and a cup of tea and a bit of banter <laughs> in the yeah. and these people have got like fans across the world it's it's quite surreal you know what it's it's i mean that's one of the things about doing anything though isn't it you know it's like you don't sometimes as you say it feels ordinary and you yeah. don't appreciate the impact of it no um it's uh I, I i remember walking into my office one day and there was a lady sort of not waiting for us because we, we're in a sort of quite a sort of large large office we've got one we've got one space uh in in a larger office and she went I know you, and I don't. I, I, and and it was from the podcast. She'd been oh, listening to the podcast, yeah. and, she, and just randomly, I didn't know her personally or anything like that. Yeah, and she just like, to, and then yeah. we get. Yeah, I mean, some of the mes messages we get from around the world are absolutely amazing. Help me understand how the TV show helps as well, because I'd imagine it's 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 unbelievable we've been so so lucky um mm. to have i think we must be about we're about 15 16 years we've worked with the team now started off through the bbc and it came on the back of richard hammond's crash um because obviously right. crashed at elvington and we airlifted him to Leeds general infirmary at the time right. and then bbc yorkshire ended up devising um a bit of a pilot program and and that's how helicopter heroes was born um and richard fronted the first series and then rav wilden took over um and then oh gosh in 2014 i think it was um the bbc decommissioned um the series um which was absolutely devastating for us but the the, the two producers um kind of left the bbc at that point yeah. basically set up their own production company and then Helicopter ER was born out of that. Um, and then we've had a really, really successful run on Discovery Plus ever since. We're currently airing Series 8 at the minute. We're about three three or four weeks into Series 8 on that. And um, for us, it's money can't buy publicity. Yeah. Um, yeah. To, to be able to showcase the work firsthand and people see the impact that, that our service has not just for Yorkshire Air Ambulance but to, to show people the impact that the Air Ambulance Service in general, in general has so yeah. I, I really hope that you know the other Air Ambulances benefit from, from people being able to relate our work to what their local Air Ambulance does as well and I think that's really really important um, I mean, what, what misconception do people make you know when people watch the show or they talk to you or, or somebody in your team and I go, oh, I didn't realise that. What is that one thing that they sort Oh, of... goodness me. I don't... Um, there's never really much... Of, mostly about the funding um, is the big thing. People think, oh, I didn't realise that you were... Yeah. It's more the funding. It's not so much... I wouldn't say on the medical side of things. Yeah. Um, because... Um, 
people get that you know when the air ambulance comes it's usually extremely serious yeah yeah gotcha. um, and there's usually a you know a bit of a life and death situation going on or, or something else um so it's yeah people but people are just so interested and grateful yeah. um and it's it's a, a real privilege actually i would say it's not a job it, i would say it's a lifestyle choice yeah it's a um, vocation right yeah we're Call very it. much you know certainly at the charity where you know we're kind of a family mantra and we you know look after each other and yeah. um i just you know certainly i'm in awe of my, the, my part of the paramedic colleagues and the pilots and the doctors and yeah. you know they literally save lives for a living yeah, it's, it's pretty unbelievable anybody you know 100%. all the nhs workers to be fair um i think are great but and uh, some of them are you know they're so humble as well about it all it's it's their job they just see it as a job at the end of the day yeah, but it's not it's, it's I, mean, not. It, it, I mean the reality is having that positive impact on people's lives but also Looking at it, and I've got a friend who's a who's a matron, uh, so runs a couple of wards mm. uh, at, a, at a hospital near near us. Mm. Um, being in quite stressful situations and mm. having to make really important life or death choices, yeah, is not something I think I could do to be honest. So it does yeah. take a special sort of person to be able to to to, to do that, and and certainly certainly he does an amazing job, um, and and the paramedics I know do an amazing mm. job as well. Talk to me about challenges because like so we talked about the yeah, positive yeah. stuff, but there's always challenges that happen in charities and life. In general. What's your what's your biggest challenge at moment? A bit like everybody. Um, it's you know, it's funny. We we've always um been a pretty successful charity. You know, we've always, um, you know, we we operate almost like a, a small business. You have to have a budget. You know, you need yeah. staff to run it. You have income to bring in. Um, you know, we've always hit our budgets. We've always hit targets. You know, we've controlled our spending. Um, so we've you know got ourselves into quite a, a you know, a robust good position. Yeah, a yeah. good position. It literally in these last two or three months things are really starting to change we are seeing a massive impact on people's spending the cost of living crisis is yeah, having a yeah. huge impact um we're not immune to the the electricity and the gas increase you know we've got three yeah. we've got a head office it is not very big but a head you know a main office and two air bases to heat and and, and to power and um, petrol right and, and fuel, fuel, fuel. That's double, yeah, yeah. you know so whereas previously we were maybe say we're spending a hundred thousand a year on fuel that's now two hundred thousand um you know inflation hits us you know we employ people um and and but but it's little things we were literally just discussing this yesterday in in a meeting um but on the fundraising side of things like pre-covid you know there was every you know there would be fairs and coffee mornings and every christmas there'd be you know christmas fairs to go to and whatever but community groups are disbanding and dissolving post-covid people aren't getting back together they're not not as many people are going out and that's yeah. where we're starting to see you know things suffer you know i was speaking to a, a colleague that works in the east yorkshire region and he was telling me that two of their biggest events that they would normally cover at christmas like two big um christmas fairs that always annually took place at some local stately homes um have been cancelled and, and he, he said you know one of them he said we would take maybe two thousand pounds over a weekend yeah. selling merchandise and christmas cards and so that's income lost that we then have to either yeah. go and find from somewhere else or and if uh, that happens across the board there, there's yeah, a lot of two thousand pounds it's little, it's little things like that and it's just it's it's events not taking place because groups are disbanding or events aren't you know people aren't going out and about as much so we're having to really think about um diversifying and online and 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 appealing what what what's going to appeal to people what do people want you know do they 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 probably don't want expensive balls and events like that you know they maybe want things and and it's not just about monetary giving you know we it's about exploring options for people that maybe want to help the charity in some way but maybe don't have time 
yeah, yeah. want to give time so volunteering or things like we have a, a successful recycling scheme so if you're you know your towels are coming to an end of the life or you've you know you've got a bag of clothes that your children's outgrown then then we can you know we work with a recycling partner that sell them on in, so it's in the working it's working out other ways yeah, that people can support. to be fair it's chris it's something we've always done is be tried to offer our supporters different ways you know almost giving them like a bit of a shopping list about right you know why don't these are all the different things you could help us by what suits your personal circumstances the best because sometimes you know people can't afford you know to give a, a monetary donation some people can't but they'll so they'll volunteer their time but as you as you say Abby, people do want to help don't they they and do and that's work. the thing like i think that's what what Yorkshire and the UK are grateful. We're we're generous where we can be, 100%. Um, and and we we as a charity will always be forever grateful for that support. Great. Well, um, so we we talked about some of the challenges, but mm. I, I know from our last conversation, the future is also fairly bright for yeah. for the longer, medium to long term. So talk to me about some yeah, of those. Yeah. So next year's a really exciting year for the Yorkshire Ambulance. Um so in March and June we are expecting two new aircraft. Um so upgrade to our current Airbus H one four five models who which will be eight years old next year. Um we were due to change them about ten years, but Airbus 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 brought out a new model, a five-bladed model with kind of upgraded avionics and um, basically we, we struck a good deal. Um, it would probably be about this time oh, now. helicopter manufacturers. I can't imagine, them, I, I don't know, I, I, I don't know why I've got this perception, but I can't imagine being the most charitable people in the world. Are they Are they quite fair in terms of... I'm like, not sure because I've not been involved in the contract negotiations <laughs> the deal, Either you've got a really good negotiator on your team or you've like you've got an amazing, uh, they're quite charitable. I think it's a bit, a of, bit of both. We, yeah. we are the first air ambulance to take these, a brand new, from, built from scratch, five-bladed models. So it's probably... It's, in their interest to have them in the market yeah, because sure. the the h145 is becoming the um Standard. very popular amongst the air ambulance community and the emergency services community i think the police use them as well so it's probably in their interest to have them operational we would have been about it's not like when you buy a new helicopter it's not like going buying a car and it's like you know can be anything between a three and 12 month lead time you're looking at two to three years so yeah. about now we would have had to have started planning for the next couple anyway. of years anyway so we've only really brought the plans forward ever so slightly um and um and so yeah and it for us it's always about providing the people of Yorkshire with the best possible okay. service yeah, yeah. um How so does the helicopter last um, you. It's a funny one. They're they're slightly different to cars in that. A sh so our old models, the shells I think were about twenty or thirty years old, but the engines were maybe only about twelve months old. The parts are are the, right. they change the parts regularly, um. But realistically, we would we plan to keep ours for about ten years and then change them. So when we get these ones next year. You're probably looking about twenty thirty four, but we'll be starting to save now for them. Yeah, planning longer term. Well, as a financial planner, it's good to see that the charity yeah. has got a good long term. Yeah, we've always taken a very prudent approach to yeah. financial planning. Yeah, it's good. Um, yeah, yeah, you can't just kind of knock fifty million quid out of nowhere, no. really, can you? So, um, you're probably but, better off having a longer term plan to accumulate that. To yes, exactly. It's it's a weird one though. I mean. When you said that, the thought that came up, Abby, and um, have you ever seen Only Fools and Horses? Yes. Do you know the phrase, triggers brew? Uh, Do you remember that? I, my, I, I've watched it, but it might just be uh, periodically. So, so there's, a joke, there's a joke yeah. where uh, Trigger, who's the yeah, I know Trigger, street yeah. sweeper guy, um, said, um, uh, yeah, <laughs> I've had this brew. Rodney, of, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, for um, for thirty years, 
I went, blimey, you've had the same room for like 30 years. He went, yeah, I've changed the top 12 times and the, the stick four times. But yeah, so I mean, do, yeah, you yeah. do know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. when you said about that, like sort of the helicopter actually just like evolving yeah. every time, I just thought like, it might be a completely different <laughs> helicopter yeah. to the one you originally bought. Yeah. Interesting. Right. Uh, we're coming to the end now. It's been mm -hmm. an absolute pleasure. Um, uh, Thank you. Uh, it's been lovely to come on. It's my first foray with the podcast or anything like that. How, how did you find it? It's been good. I mean, people usually want to speak to our paramedics or the pilots or the doctors because they do the exciting side of, you know, the, the front end facing. So it's it'd be nice to come on and speak from a charity perspective, actually. Yeah, you've done um, an amazing job. Oh, thank really, you. Really it's, job. it's been really good. I've really enjoyed um, it. Thank you. Can you... Um, can you tell us a little bit about where people can find out a bit more about the charity? Yeah, so uh, we've got a really great website, which is yaa.org.uk, or you could just Google Yorkshire Ambulance. We are massively active on social media, so you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Um, we are extremely active. We post very regularly some all sorts of stuff, fundraising events, what goes on behind the scenes. So if you are interested, do give us a follow. Um, and uh, give us a like and um, we're always uh, glad to welcome people into the YA family yeah. great thank you so much have a lovely day yes you too thanks Chris that was part three of Abby's interview more next week um and I've gone you know what the day started really helpfully didn't it because we went all oh, right okay should we get up and go for a swim because uh, i mean I, I don't know if any of our sort of viewers or listeners have been to zurich um it was my first time in zurich this year too um and zurich has got an amazing lake um not many miles away from the uh town center uh, and you can just swim in the lake and and the lake is i mean when we went in july weather was brilliant um uh, we swam in the lake you can see the mountains from the lake um charlotte uh had a little sort of a panic attack as she jumped into the lake, but she was all good. Um, uh, Look, but we had a, I do we, not like the idea of drowning. It's not a thing. I wouldn't. I wouldn't let that happen to you, but darling, unless there was somebody giving away unlimited chocolate a little while away, I might. I might be tempted <laughs> to. Uh, but the the reality the reality is we did something really healthy because we were swimming in the lake and it was lovely and it was an amazing experience and then we ruined it all all that all that proper healthy behavior by um eating our body weight in lint chocolate in the afternoon to be fair by the time we got back to the place we were staying i felt like i'd sweat all the chocolate out of my body it was that hot that day but, but you know what was bizarre right and this is a weird thing We'd eaten all that chocolate as part of the ticket price. We went into the shop and we did get some chocolate to bring home to, to mum and so. Now, clearly, we didn't need any more chocolate, did we? No. What did you persuade me to do? I don't remember. Go to the shop and have a hot chocolate. No, that was on you. That was your idea. Was it? Yeah, because I felt sick by that point. <laughs> You still drank your hot chocolate, though, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> pay for it. Pay for it. Pay, if you pay for it, you've got to have it. You know, if you pay for it, you've got to have it. Right. Okay. So um, we haven't had any answers for the question of the podcast yet. If you are watching, please do answer the questions. Uh, and they are, just to be clear, what would be the most surprising first word for a baby? Uh, if you could pick an animal companion to be with you for life what would it be and why what's the most appropriate name for a chicken and what's the best sound to help you sleep i think i've decided on my animal companion go on then pigeon and what would you call the pigeon um no i've had some time to think about it i'd call, call it mischief okay why because it's cute and you could just call it the chief <laughs> you you had a I don't know if you remember this, but um uh we went to the Tower of London once and you um you and your friend um I think it was you, I'm pretty sure it was you. Um you and your friend saw a pigeon 
and decided because it's our London and it was world themed to call that pigeon Penry the Eighth. Do you remember? Oh, that? the very round pigeon. Yeah, it was a round I pigeon. Love pigeons, man, yeah. they're so cool. Are they? Are they? So you'd pick a pigeon. A pigeon. Uh, pigeons are messy, aren't they? They're so cute, though. No, they're vermin. Oh. They're vermin. Get rid no, of them. So right. Cute. Okay. They're like, so, they're like spiders and rats. Sorry. In your list of cute animals, what's at the top? Pigeons, Pigeons. spiders, and rats. Spiders and rats. Spiders are technically aren't animals. Uh, they're arachnids, but they have close relation to scorpions. Also cute. Um, I bet close relation, but they're in the same sort of like. Where where are you putting kittens on this list? Kittens are cute, just not as cute as pigeons and crows and ravens. <laughs> this is getting dark. This is getting dark. Please save me if you're if you're listening, listeners, and let us know what your animal companion would be. Hopefully, I mean it'd be hard not to, but hopefully it'd be cuter than a spider. Um, right. Let's talk Something a little bit about spiders. They're so cool. Let's talk a little bit about books, okay? Because I wanted to share um, a couple of things contained in the book. So, if you don't know about the book, um, and if you if you don't yet, yeah, clearly I'm not doing my job particularly well. Um, Charlotte and I um, have been hosting a podcast for now nearly five years. Uh, and it came from um, uh, my dissatisfaction of turning on the news, turning on the telly, and see all I saw was um, uh, effectively bad news in the world. I mean, and I know, I know that that sells. I know that you know, sort of um, that negativity bias in all of us means that we focus on bad news. But I just wanted to make sure that there was something positive out there and we were celebrating people who do amazing stuff in the world um on top of that i just wanted an excuse to have some random chats with my daughter which we've we've definitely done we've definitely done over the past five years um so i decided that what i'd do is i'd start a podcast and we'd interview people and the um the idea is that guests could come from any walk of life, any um, perspective, but they've just got to be doing something amazing that contributes to the world. We'd call it the Kindness Project, and we'd see what happens. Uh, And what we've been lucky enough over the past five years to do is to, number one, build an amazing audience of listeners. Uh, We've had hundreds of thousands of downloads of the podcast. Um, We've been voted Spotify's fourth happiest or third happiest podcast in the world. Uh, And loads of really great stuff has happened. Uh, We've had some amazing guests um, on the podcast over the five years. Uh, including people who have got shows on Netflix about kindness and uh, people who who are kind in business, Uh, people who run amazing charities and organisations, a wide range of people doing just fantastic stuff, uh, both locally and nationally in their communities to to support others. Um, But also I'd learned a lot. So I'd learned a lot from just interviewing amazing people and um, I wanted to share some of those lessons that I'd learned um, and therefore uh, I wrote a book. Um, now, in episode one, I said that was my intention, Charlotte, but clearly I've been super lazy because it's taken me five years to get to a point where the kindness project... I, I think between when you originally started and when you started writing the kindness project book you started writing a, a dystopian sci-fi novel at one point still on the list <laughs> still and on I the was list like, what happened to the kindness project book what happened to the book about the guinness record holders as well that's no still on the list still on the list <laughs> right my next one is going to be a workbook the next one is about my mission to become a guinness world record holder that isn't going anywhere to, just got... to uh, get a Guinness World Record on your own rather than as a giant collective. Well, I've got a Guinness World Record, haven't mm. I? I've got... What, what do you mean? Um, 
It's questionable. What do you mean, um? It's questionable. You're part no, of the large it's not questionable. Collection. I've got the certificate in, in the garage. It's, it's there. Yeah, okay. Okay, I've got one forty-three thousandth of a Guinness World Record, haven't I? Yes. How much fraction of a Guinness World Record have you got? Nothing. But I thought the goal was to get a Guinness World Record, not a fraction of a Guinness World Record. I'm, I'm working slowly. I'm working my way. My my um my certificate from Guinness World Records says I've been part of a Guinness World Record. Yes. So does that make me a Guinness World Record holder? No. It makes you part of a group that is a Guinness World Record holder. It doesn't make you individually a Guinness World Record holder. I'll get there one day. <laughs> Back to the book. Back to the book, right? So um, so what I've done is um, shared some of my experiences from speaking to just so many amazing people um, across the past five years um uh in a bunch of areas and what we've talked about um firstly in chapter in the first chapter we've talked about um being kind to yourself um and um it's really interesting i mean we've had this conversation before haven't we that where uh we've talked about um uh putting your own you know that and now that, that plane analogy where you've got to put your own oxygen marks on first to help others. Um, somebody had a really good, good analogy, tell me the analogy the other day, which was all about um, you're unable to pour water from an empty jug. So you've got to make sure that as an individual, if you want to be kind with others, um, you, you make sure that you're looking at, you're being kind to yourself, um, and I share some things that work in my life and some sh things that uh, I know uh, that work really well for other people in terms of that. So, you know, exercise, growth mindset, um, uh, being grateful, um, avoiding comparisons, but also being kind to yourself when you make mistakes. So uh, share loads of um loads of examples of that in the book uh, and you can read a lot about how you can be a bit kinder to yourself um next i talk about everyday kindness and the small acts of kindness you can take um to just make other people's lives uh, incrementally better uh, we had an amazing guest on the podcast who spoke about this and wrote about this um a lady called bernadette russell i'd certainly check her out on youtube because she's got some uh, amazing content but also I talk about how it's actually kind to ask for help because even though you i think sometimes we assume that asking for help is a is a burden we all want to be wanted we want to be useful we want to be uh, needed um uh, and Benjamin Franklin, one of the founding fathers, uh, uh, knew this. And the effect of building positive relationships by asking for help is actually called the Benjamin Franklin effect. <laughs> the full story is in the book, but I'd, uh, I'd look that up. Um, talk about the gift of time uh, and the fact that we have... Um, you know, we, we've had loads of guests who contribute their time to great causes. Uh, my friend Patrick talks about um, Good Jim, uh, who uh, who he does loads of work for. But the one that the one that, and it was a really early um, uh, interview in the podcast. One of my favourites was a guy uh, called Hans, who was a blind guy over in Denmark. Uh, do you remember this story, Charlotte? Yeah. Yeah, the app. Yes, it's called Be, Be My Eyes, right? Yes. So um, the origin story of the app is amazing because the hands um, uh, wasn't a coder. He was blind, uh, and he knew that it was a bit of a pain uh, to, if he wanted some post-red or he wanted to know what looked better, the red shirt or the blue shirt, or even what shirt was red or what shirt was blue, he had to knock at his neighbours Ask him to 
just help him out for like 10 seconds and it was just like just awkward to do awkward to get the help he needed so what hans did is he uh thought well look there's got to be a better way to do this and we've now got the technology through our mobile phones to get this sort of stuff done so hans hans uh not being a coder uh, uh, but quite a resourceful fella decided that he was going to um, uh, go to a. Uh, actually, he was he, he, he's from uh, Copenhagen, and he saw any local, you know, uh, local guide that there was a coding exhibition um, at one of the one of the centres that connected coders with people who wanted coding done. Um, and it was 50 euros, um, and it was free beer. So Hans said to me when I interviewed him, even if I was in a position where uh, I went along um, and didn't find the coder to help me with its app, at least I'd get really drunk. Um, <laughs> uh, so it, for Hans, it was gonna, the day was going to be a, a potential win either way. The good news was he did find a, actually a team of coders um, to support the um, delivery of Be My Eyes. And now, a few years later, when we interviewed Hans four years ago, something like that, it was one of the, one of the early guests um, on the podcast, um, Hans now helps millions of people every year with um, supporting them to just make those decisions. And what the app does, it pairs volunteers with people who need their help as soon as somebody needs their help it pings on a volunteer's phone and they can choose to just pop in to support that individual at that particular point in time just for like 30 seconds or a minute to make them make the right decision so i'm really really like sort of giving the gift of time uh is is all about how we can all use that time to uh, support other people uh, then we talk about charity and what you can do with charity. Uh, and uh, I talk about my marathon, uh, the marathon run I did, uh, the stuff that you can do that effectively ticks stuff off your list, uh, but also allows you to raise fantastic amounts for amazing causes. Uh, talk loads about that. Uh, I also talk about one of our guests, Danielle, who uh, dressed as an elf, travelled around the UK and gave kids presents in hospices. An amazing story. I talk about um, using money for good and making sure that you're using your wealth, uh, not only when you donate to charities, but also leaving money in wheels and how you can uh, give use your money to um, sort of make sure there's positive change. And I also talk about um, when kindness is involved in business. You know, I run a business and one of my values is do well, do good. Um, uh, and the important thing is making sure that in our lives, you know, I, I, I think the best way I've ever heard it described, Charlotte, is a client of mine who said to me, Chris, I want to make sure the world is a bit of a better place when I leave it than when I came here. Um, and as an aspiration, I don't actually think that's a bad one. And we can do that in all aspects of, of our lives, including including work. Uh, and I also talk about the science of kindness. So I talk about the fact that um, the reality is kindness is incredibly selfish because it does make us feel better. Um, so uh, I talk about why uh, kindness makes us feel good, why helping others makes us feel good, um, the chemicals it produces in your body uh, when that happens, and why being kind to yourself and to others um, is, is really important. And I finish with a conclusion of, of all of the... Um, all of the things that we've talked about in the book, which includes my philosophy. And this was um, magpie. This was stolen from one of our amazing guests uh, who run um, kindness.org, uh, Jacqueline and Melissa. 
who talk about the fact that if we were all about 10% kinder, the world would be a better place. So what do we need to do to uh, to, to be 10% kinder? So that's what's in the book. Um, uh, that's what I'm super proud of writing and super excited that you're going to get your copy. Uh, uh, I suppose now I've talked it all through, you haven't got to read it. That's the problem. That's the start of the thing. You're giving away all the secrets. Well, I mean, there's so many. I mean, like, what I've given you is a headline of what's in the book. Um, what I want you to do is read it and get three things that you can positively action to make your communities, your world, um, a little bit kinder. Because if we all do that, hopefully that will create a ripple of effect to make uh, the entire world a bit of a kind of place. If you're watching live on Facebook, um, the QR code will take you to uh, the places you need to to order the book. If you're listening to this on the podcast, uh, visit www.theclimateproject.co.uk and you'll be able to get everything you need um, uh, to, to order the book. There'll be a little badge at the top that says book that will give you uh, everything you need to order the book. Um, and that is it for another live edition of The Kindness Project. Um, have a whoop. Have a lovely uh, Sunday because we're recording this on Sunday. If you're listening on the podcast, whenever whatever time it is, have a lovely uh, uh, remainder of the week, and we will see you on the Kindness Project soon. Bye. Bye.